Good morning, church family. What a beautiful morning, huh? I told my wife yesterday, it smells like football. Love when it smells like football. The leaves change color. I get all excited because it's a little chilly in the morning. Oh, man, I love it. Um, Before I even get into the message, I want to lay something out here that's been on my heart this week, if that's all right, if I take a minute for that. Uh, Devin touched on it a little bit last week. Um, Just be honest with you. September is a very emotional month for myself um, and for my family. Uh, September is obviously, uh, if you didn't know, Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And I've personally been a part of three different funerals that were all the result of suicide. And two of those suicides were my uncles. One of them most recently in 2019. And as hard as funerals are, if you've ever been a part of a funeral that was a result of suicide, it's even harder. And I'll never forget in 2019, September 9th, getting that phone call from my mom that they were on the way to my uncle's house because he had taken his own life. And I just want to speak to this this morning because we know suicide rates are on the rise. Like they have been for the past however long. It's, it's too much. And I want to speak to somebody this morning. You're here and you feel like you're alone. You're here and you feel like you're the only one that's going through what you're going through this morning. But can I promise you, you're not. Do you believe me? You're not alone. You're not the only one that's experiencing what you're experiencing. I promise. I've always told the young people in our youth group, if the enemy can get you to feeling alone, he can get you to believe whatever he wants you to believe. What happens when we're alone? I don't know about you guys, but I've talked to Breno about this. When I'm alone, that's when I feel like the attacks of the enemy are the heaviest, because you're alone. If the enemy lies to you, there's nobody there sitting next to you to say, no, 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 that's a lie. So this morning, don't fight alone. Don't be alone. You have a church family here that loves you, that wants to walk with you, brothers and sisters that don't want to see that for you. Please don't let the enemy make you feel alone. Because you will believe anything he tells you when you're alone. Please don't. All right. To the message this morning. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, 34. It says, wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. That's out of the ESV. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that this morning you would speak through me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and that these words would be your words, Lord. And I just pray that you would open the hearts of your people to receive what you have to say this morning and pray this all in your name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, I really do hope you guys have enjoyed this uh, sermon series. We've spent 12 weeks. I can't believe it's been 12 weeks already. That's insane. Um, I really hope you've enjoyed us young guys being able to share the pulpit with Don. Uh, It's an honor for me. It's an honor for us to be able to share it with him. And um, We've got an incredible leadership team here at this church, if you don't know that already. We've got an incredible leadership team here. Um, So we've been talking a lot about grace and the importance of 
knowing that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Righteousness, I want to define this real quick, is the state of him who is as he ought to be, righteous, the condition acceptable to God. You and I are in this position of obtaining righteousness because of what Jesus has done. We are the righteousness of God in Christ, right? It's got nothing to do with what you and I have done. But here's the catch. We like to make it about ourselves, right? I find myself doing that all the time. My baby's crying at 10.30 at night. I'm just like, Lord, I want to sleep. And then he's like, you're thinking about yourself, aren't you? Yeah, I'm thinking about myself. Sorry. But 1 Corinthians 15.34 and the King James says, pay attention to this. This is important. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Remember that order. The NIV says, come back to your senses. There's another translation that says, be awake to righteousness and keep yourselves from sin. And then there's another translation that says, come to your right mind and sin no more. But what is one's right mind? What is coming back to your senses as the NIV says? It's coming back to the truth and the reality that we are the righteousness of God through Christ. Not because of you and me, but because of what Jesus has done. We're already righteous, church. Do you know that? Not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. But we don't live like that, do we? We don't live like we are the righteousness of God through Christ. Remember what I said. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Notice the order. In other words, we're not going to be able to effectively overcome sin if we're not aware of our righteousness. You'll be a slave to sin your whole life if you don't live as if you are the righteousness of God through Christ. But you and I, we don't do that. We behave like we have to sin not first. We put it in the reversed order. We think that if we stop sinning first, then I'm righteous. It's not what it says. What does it say again, Breno? Awake to righteousness and sin not. Not sin not and awake to your righteousness. Hmm. I know we've been mentioning religion a lot in this series, but this is important. If we're living as if though we have to sin not first and then awake to our righteousness, we're completely neglecting our need for the gospel. Right? If we behave like we have to first sin not, we're saying, Jesus, I don't need you. Wow. I had that realization this week and it really smacked me in the face. We're neglecting the need for the gospel if we behave that way, church. You don't have to live that way. We need to realize that we already are the righteousness of God through Christ because he has made us righteous. Once again, it's not because of anything you can do or have done. It's because of what he's done. Amen? Through that knowledge, church, the power and authority of righteousness, once we know we hold that power, we are able to overcome sin. Sin no longer has any dominion over you. Do you realize God has equipped us with all we need to overcome sin? 
Isaiah 61.10 says, he clothes me in the robe of righteousness. It's not like Jesus opens the door and says, come on in, clothe yourself. No. He opens the door and then puts the robe of righteousness on you. Doesn't that get you fired up? He clothes you. You don't even have to do it yourself. There's another translation that says, come to your right mind. And in Romans 12, 2, it says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds to not be conformed to sin. Once again, he's given us all we need, church. You don't have to live under the power of sin. But until our minds have been renewed to the truth that we already are the righteousness of God, we'll never really be able to overcome our sin. Don't get caught on the merry-go-round of sin, church. Don likes to say, don't get caught on the merry-go-round of stupid, but this time, don't get caught on the merry-go-round of sin. You see, it's easy to get trapped into that lifestyle. Once it happens once, then we realize, oh, we start to think of that verse backwards again, don't we? Sin not. Oh, now I'm beating myself up. Now I don't really know that I am the righteousness of God through Christ. Now I'm trapped. Now what do I do? Now, just like I said earlier, the, the enemy's got me feeling alone. Now what? Now he starts to give me more and more lies to believe. And before I know it, I'm believing them. Because I'm not walking with anybody to tell me that's not true. The power of God comes to us from him through righteousness. And through the power of knowing that you have the right to certain things as the bride of Christ. As the righteousness of God through Christ, you have the right, church, to certain things. I want to challenge you this morning. Are you living that way? Are you living like you have the robe of righteousness on you this morning? Are you living like Jesus has clothed you in that robe? It's not just hanging on the coat rack in the room. He clothes you in it. He's already put it on you. We have the power through righteousness to not let sin reign in our mortal bodies, just like Romans 6.12 says. Since Adam and Eve, we know that sin is always going to be present with us in our flesh. That's just the reality. We are sinful human beings. But it's, all, it's always there. It's whether or not we let it reign that's the real issue. And then the question becomes... Who's sitting on the throne of your heart? Are you letting sin sit on the throne of your heart? Because if you're letting sin sit on the throne of your heart, you're going to be a slave your whole life. But again, you have the power, church. We have the robe of righteousness on us. What does it say again? Awake to righteousness and sin not. Not the other way around. Don't get it twisted. The power of knowing that God has equipped us is through the gospel of grace. That's why we spent 12 weeks on this series, on this topic. It's important. Let's look at Romans 5, 17 through 21. 
For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, Adam, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men, Jesus. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, come on church, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now be careful. This isn't giving us an excuse to sin, right? What does Paul say next? It's right there in chapter 6, the next verse. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. Don't look at this section of verses and think it's an excuse to keep on sinning. It's not an excuse to continue to remain a victim to sin. That's why Paul addressed it in the very next verse, saying, we're not to continue to sin so that grace may abound. That's not the lifestyle he has for you. The only way we will ever be able to reign, church, in life is through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness given to us as a free gift through Jesus Christ. He was rejected, church, by his closest friends. His closest friends rejected him. He bore all the weight of sin and shame, all of the sin in the entire world. He bore it all for you. And then in the next breath is giving you the robe of righteousness and saying, you don't have to live as a victim anymore. But how many know you can't reign as long as you don't think you have the right to it? Nobody's going to believe it for you, church. I can't believe it for you. Listen, I'm preaching to myself this morning just as much as I am to you. It's easy to get caught in this merry-go-round, right? Because once it starts, it feels like it never stops. Nobody's going to believe that you have righteousness of God through Christ for you. I can't believe it for you. Your spouse can't believe it for you. Your friends can't believe it for you. You have to believe it for yourself. And if you think your right to righteousness comes from never sinning again, you can forget it. You'll never obtain it. You'll never reach the end. You'll be defeated your entire life. But when we realize that righteousness comes as a free gift, as a result of who we are, who He's made us to be, rather than what you and I do and the fact that we don't have to earn it, then the power that comes from that knowledge keeps sin from reigning in our moral bodies. Because knowledge is power. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's for you and me, church. 
the truth will set you free. The truth of the cross will set you free. Not because of anything you can do. Doesn't it get exhausting trying to obtain righteousness yourself? Anybody else? Maybe it's just me. But it's exhausting. Listen, I fail my wife over and over again, and yet she still loves me. Thank you, Lord. All you spouses can agree, we've all failed our spouse, right? And I can't be the perfect husband for her. But what I can do is exemplify the righteousness of God through Christ to her, to be an example to her. And she's just as good an example of Christ to me as I am to her. But you have to believe it for yourself. You have to believe that robe is on you. You don't have to walk through the door and put it on yourself, church. He puts it on you, for you. When you know who you are, it's easier to live that way. It's easier to live accordingly, right? What does Paul say in Romans? Do not be conformed to this world. If you know who you are, you're not going to live just like everybody else, right? But if you think you're just like everybody else, you're going to behave like everybody else. This is why sin is so rampant. Because we don't think we have the right to righteousness. We think we have to live just like everybody else. I don't know if I'm the only one, but when I sin, I feel like it's justice to beat myself up about it. Anybody else feel that way? When I mess up, I feel like it's justice to feel bad, to be in my feels, as the young kids would say. I don't know what that, if that's what it is. About that, because I'm making it once again, I'm making it about myself, right? I'll never be good enough, church. You'll never be good enough. This church is filled because we all know we're not good enough. If we were perfect, the church wouldn't even need to be here. Once again, we're neglecting the need for the gospel. We need the gospel. This is sort of like being born into royalty, right? Someone who is born of royal blood is not going to live like other people. Why? It's not because they don't have the ability to. They could live like everybody else. They could choose to live any other way but it's because they know who they are. They know their royal blood. What do you think people would say if, what's his name, King Henry? Is that who it is now? Prince Henry? Harry? Who is it? Oh, sorry, David. Do you think if he started behaving like you and me that people would start to ask questions? They probably would, right? Because he's royalty. It's easy for them to choose that life because that's what they were born into. They don't have to try to prove it. They can live by different standards than everybody else because they know who they are. It's a great representation of how you and I should behave. Knowing who we are. Knowing we are the righteousness of God through Christ.
If we, are, if we know we are the righteousness of God through Christ, church, we will act differently. You're going to begin to walk a little bit different. This is why we're called to look differently than them out there, right? It's to bring people in, to say, you don't have to be a slave to your sin anymore. We're just as imperfect as they are, right? Amen? We're just as imperfect as the lost. The difference is we know who we are through Christ. We carry that robe of righteousness. And when we lead people to this place, Jesus gets to clothe them too. He gets to clothe them with the robe of righteousness. Now it's you and them. Now they get to go and reach out, maybe to their families. This is how the kingdom grows. Without you and I, the kingdom isn't going to grow, church. Especially if we're behaving and acting just like them. If we're acting like slaves just like them, they're not going to see any difference. How are they going to see Jesus through us if we're behaving that way? You and I, we are royal blood, church. We're the bride of Christ. As born-again believers, we are royalty. Do you know that? We are royalty. His blood covers us, covers a multitude of sin. And you and I get to behave like the royal blood that we are, not because of our blood, but because of the blood that is poured over us, the perfect blood of Christ. I love how Breno and I, on Thursday in sermon prep, we brought it full circle. Even Nicodemus, church, realized that he couldn't obtain his own righteousness. That's why when he met righteousness in a pair of sandals, everything changed. That was his moment. What is your moment? Nicodemus was arguably, he wasn't a perfect man, but if there was anybody close to it, he was closest to it. He was the rabbi, the teacher of Israel. And guess what? When he had a heart change, when he met Jesus... Remember what we said in that sermon? He was there at the cross. It would have been illegal to take, that, to take the body of Christ off. But he was willing to lay down his entire identity and all of who he was because he met righteousness. He finally had the realization, I don't have to do this myself anymore. I have righteousness given to me as a free gift. Why don't we behave like we are royal blood? Let's look at Romans 4, verses 1 through 4. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Amy, you can come up. When we believe God's word to us and the righteousness which is of faith, 
begins to work in us, church, we will not consider our own bodies or our own flesh anymore. No matter how strong the desire may be, we won't consider the flesh. Abraham considered not his own body and he staggered not at the promise of God because he was strong in faith. He knew he was the righteousness. He was given righteousness because of his faith. It made him strong enough. Righteousness was so powerful in his life. It made him strong enough to stand against and consider not his own flesh. You and I have that same right, church. But I don't know about you, but what I see is that we behave as if we serve a different God. But we don't serve a different God than what Abraham served. Amen? We serve the same God. Abraham would have never been able to stand against, consider not his own flesh, if it wasn't for his right standing with God through righteousness, and neither will you or I. If you're trying to obtain perfection, church, you're never going to get there. I can say that from personal conviction. <laughs> you're not going to make it. This is why it's so vital for us to believe the Word of God. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word. You can't just read your Bible. You got to read your Bible. See, what religion does is it likes to take portions of Scripture and make that their God. They would have taken the verses in Romans as an excuse potentially to sin. But in the very next breath, Paul says, we may not continue to sin so that grace should abound. It's a call to not sin anymore. Awake to righteousness and sin not. It's not sin not and then awake to your righteousness. When we are strong in faith, church, and the knowledge of our righteousness we are aware of our righteousness, sin no longer has any dominion over us, and sin will no longer rule our lives. You and I can live like the royal blood that we are, the bride of Christ. His blood is poured over you and me. And even from time to time when our flesh inevitably has sin pop up, rear its ugly head, and we do stumble, we have an advocate. <laughs> Amen? You and I have an advocate. Thank you, Jesus, that it's not about me. That I don't have to work to obtain righteousness. It's given to me as a free gift. Awake to your righteousness and sin not. come to the knowledge that you are the righteousness of God through Christ. And just like royalty, you'll begin to act like it. Come on, when we live as royal blood, that marriage problem doesn't seem so big anymore. That sin issue doesn't seem so big anymore. That financial burden doesn't seem so big anymore, does it? 
faith issue that you've had. To believe God at his word doesn't seem so big of an issue anymore, does it? Not when you know you are the righteousness of God through Christ. He clothes you in the robe of righteousness. As soon as you walk through those doors, as born-again believers, you have the right, church. But we walk around like we don't have the right to anything different. But you and I do. Can you stand with me this morning? No better message to close out the gospel of grace over these 12 weeks than this one. It's been a build-up to this moment. You have the right to certain things, church. You have a right to that robe. He's already put it on you. I want to challenge us to behave that way. Behave like we are the righteousness of God through Christ, not like we have to obtain it. We don't have to work for it anymore. This is why we've spent 12 weeks talking about this. We see grace all over Scripture, even to the most religious man, Nicodemus. Grace reached him. And righteousness, knowing that he is righteousness, not through being a descendant of Abraham, but because of Christ, his life was changed. And so can our lives be changed. This morning, if you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to challenge you to find a leader this morning. Find somebody that will pray with you. I'm happy to pray with you. And be welcomed into the kingdom and have that robe of righteousness put on you and start to behave like the royal blood you are because you are. But never forget, it's not about you and me. It's about what he's done. Can I pray for us? Lord, I thank you for this 12-week sermon series on grace. I thank you for the impact that it's had, Lord. I thank you that you clothe us in the robe of righteousness as soon as we walk through the door. Lord, we don't even have to work for it. We don't even have to put it on ourselves because your word says that you clothe us in it. You put it on us, God. And I just pray for any lost soul here this morning that maybe has been trapped in religion their whole life. Maybe, Lord, it's a born-again believer that thinks they have to work to obtain your righteousness, God. Pray that you would remind them this morning that you've already given it to us as a free gift. Lord, help us to behave like royal blood. The blood of your Son is poured over us each and every day, each and every moment, Lord. I pray that when we sin, Lord, that we're reminded of your goodness, of your faithfulness, of your grace, God. That we're reminded of the blood that was poured over us. I just pray for any lost soul here this morning, Lord, that is hearing this message for the first time. I pray that they would receive it with joy. 
and that their heart may be changed to follow you, God, to put on that robe. And thank you so much, Lord, for your presence here this morning. Pray that we would take it with us this week and help us to behave differently than everybody else, Lord, to draw people to you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said...